there was just like a little room of stuff and I, I'm, I walk in and Rob Whitaker's there with his mate and I'm just like just nod to him like how you doing and I because I'm not even a fan of him he's like he just nods back and he walks on out yeah, yeah. <laughs> like who the hell is this weirdo I'm like I, I don't I don't even like you see I just I didn't even know you in here <laughs> Welcome to Switched On, an entertainment podcast for Swinburne University's The Standard. This week, we'll be discussing PAX Australia 2022. A welcome return to the in-person event after the last two years of COVID. Today, I'm joined by Theo Tunks. Theo and I attended PAX's media, and we discuss our experiences at PAX and what we got up to. Thanks for coming on, Theo. Hiya, Jack. Good to be on. How's your PAX? I quite enjoyed it. Um, it was after two years. I completely forgot how tired it was um, and uh, how tired I could get uh, during PAX. I remember thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm going to go to all the parties at night and everything like that." Whereas on the Friday, I think I bailed on all of my commitments at 5 p.m. and then just collapsed into bed as soon as I got home. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, overall, I loved PAX. Always loved PAX, and it's. It was always fun to get in on a media badge. Yeah. No, it was for my first time as a media badge yeah. as well. It was a, it was a good say, feeling. I should say it was my first time as well. So, yeah. yeah. Oh. Actually, I remember you saying, did you end up going to the glitch after party? I did not know. Um, unfortunately, the Saturday I could only stay for about two hours. Um, and then I had to go uh, do something else, unfortunately. Oh, fair enough. I mean, I was so wrecked pretty much end of each day. I left a little bit early on Saturday because my feet were killing me. Yeah. Uh, Friday, I did a bunch of filming and it was so tiring. Um, yeah, it, you kind of underestimate what PAX is going to be like oh. as media uh, until you get there. It's so exhausting. And I remember kind of being tired the previous couple of years when I last went to PAX, but not as bad as this. Uh, so it might be to do with the fact that with all the interviews that I did and all of the walking around I had to do and then just run from one interview to another at one stage. Yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah. And I'm putting that in inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, what kind of, uh, what interviews did you get up to? Uh, so, um, well, my I'll talk about my final interview, which was Graham Struthers of Devolver Digital, one of the co-founders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting interview. Um, a really good, a really talkative guy as well. I, for whatever reason, I didn't expect uh, someone involved with Devolver Digital to be so talkative, but... Yeah. Um, but I managed to uh, get interviews with um, uh, one of the lead developers of Samurai Punk, who also, um, and they're making this new game called Justice Sucks, which uh, I got to see a little bit of. Yep. And look, I am always in the mood for some killer robot vacuum cleaners. That's, <laughs> uh, th that's always my jam. Yeah. Um, and I also talked to... Um, a programmer, I believe he was from um, Massive Monster, talking about Cold of the Lamb. And oh yeah, yeah, you uh, were able to get that interview. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I took one look at the booth and it was so, <laughs> so packed and busy. So well, the good news was that um, the reason it was so packed was ninety percent of people were there to buy merch, rather, and so yeah. the line was moving quickly. But 
yeah. Um, and apart from that, uh, quite a few game developers, uh, sorry, game journalists. Um, yeah, I interviewed quite a few game journalists, including Alice Clark, Ruby Innes, David Smith of Kotaku. Uh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. Um, and are you planning on releasing that to the standard or? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the careers expo side of things, which is mostly what I followed. Um, yeah, that, that's uh, all going to be on the standard. Uh, for uh, the developer interviews, they'll hopefully be on the standard. I'm using them as part of an assignment, but um, I'll publish it to the standard once it's been graded. Yeah, for myself, I mean, I, I mainly did video uh, interviews with a few of the developers, such as Samurai Punk, but also got to meet uh, Togi Productions. Um, they made games like Coffee Talk and Rising Hell, didn't see those at there. Like, so, like, were they at the expo? Or? Yeah, yeah, they had a booth in the PAX yeah, Rising. Uh, there was so much good stuff at PAX Rising this year. Yeah. I, I Usually I'm there mainly for, you know, I'm, I'm the basic AAA guy. I love all of those types of games. But when the only game there is Sonic Frontiers, you tend <laughs> oh, to God. gravitate towards the, uh, the PAX Indie section, the Rising. And, yep. yeah, uh, there were some really good stuff there. There was actually quite a bit. So uh, I think the Indies won out this year over the AAA developers. Oh, oh big, I mean, the big three weren't even there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like they had to, yeah, I was even surprised because apparently there was a big controversy that both PlayStation and Xbox weren't going to be there, but I didn't even... I thought that Nintendo might have had some presence, but they didn't. No, not at all. Like, And for context, uh, the big three being Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft, or PlayStation and Xbox. Um, yeah, it was, it was surprising. It just... Yeah, it wasn't that many like AAA devs at all there. Like Ubisoft, no, um, none of the other studios. Bethesda had their own separate thing. Um, I mean, Amazon Prime had their own booth, but that's yeah, really... they had like two separate booths. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah, and that's like that was mainly on their TV shows. And to be perfectly honest, I don't go to PAX to watch TV. To, um, yeah, I, th- I believe it was like a escape room experience thing. Oh, okay. I didn't go to it. So. No, I, I didn't bother. Yeah. It was, it was, it's just an advertisement at the end of the day. Exactly. But to be fair, that's what, like looking at it with a cynical view, that's all, all that PAX is to be perfectly honest. Yeah, fair enough. But I mean, at least with, at least with games, you can play some demos and stuff like that. And I, I think the best part about, uh, Pax Rising and the, the indie scene was that you get to have these little demos of games, mm. um, meet the devs that are there, and it's not just some like PR group who are just there to, hey, come buy a company's game. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, so that's why like the indies section, even though they are there to promote their game, but you can actually, they're also there to play test um, because if you get public hands on and everything like that, then you gain some really valuable knowledge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I so I did interview a few uh, indie devs there. Um, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, Toei Productions, and you know, I had a great conversation with them. They were very, very kind, very lovely people. Um, yeah, they said they loved loved coming back to conventions and being able to show off their games and come to Australia for the first time in their because they're Indonesian based. Mm. Um, and the kind of rhetoric was around the indie scene was that they can get 
real time feedback and like, you know, see people enjoy their games like, oh yeah, no, this would be good and stuff like that. And I even, I interviewed the Swinburne um, games and interactivity students showing off their final year and the TAFE students as well. Really well made games. Yeah, it's it's great for them to get be able to get feedback oh, then and there. Yeah, absolutely. I um I spoke to Andy Trevelyan myself, who yep. uh, runs the sort of Swinburne presence at PAX or did this year. Yep. And uh, yeah, he's uh, talking about how, like he, uh, he says that it's sort of uh, the end goal for Swinburne students, games and interactivity students, but he encourages them to develop on their ideas past PAX as well. So. I mean, like the in, the stuff that they like, the information that they get at PAX is really valuable to the Swinburne students. Yeah, I mean, ex- exactly. It's it's you work so hard on something all year long. You know, being able to show it off to the to the to a massive event like that, it's it's you know, I, I'd imagine it's very rewarding and um, a great feeling for those students. So you know, you know, congratulations to the games and interactivity students who yeah. showed off their games at. Packs this year. Yeah, of course, and also the fact that Swinburne is pretty much, I think Deakin had a tiny booth somewhere, but Swinburne's the only university that gets to um, show off their games, which, you know, go Swinburne. Yeah, I think I remember previous Paxes, there were some other schools, like SAE maybe, I don't know. Possibly? I don't know, but I think it was more of just a recruiting drive rather than like show off the games. Yeah. Like, it was a long time ago, so, yeah. It's been, yeah, well, it's been a long time for everyone at PAX, and, yeah, especially I, speaking to de- developers, the two years really did kind of hit them hard, mm. like the two-year absence, because all they could really show were panels on Twitch and everything like that. They can't uh, show off their uh, show off their games, which yeah. is kind of the point of PAX. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I personally didn't watch any of the panels uh, in the previous two years. I just didn't really see the point. No, I, honest. I, I didn't really see the point of of an online packs myself. I, not saying I'm not putting it down. Like the the point of a like going to packs is like, like oh I might drop in, maybe ask a question or two or something or like in it, it is it's just a different feeling yeah. being in person or watching a screen like it's it's like the lectures here at uni it's like exactly, the yeah. on, the online lectures like you keep I'll, I'll watch it I'll, I'll watch it eventually but it, yeah. when it's in person it's like you're fully focused and you kind of engaged to go, yeah 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 uh, but like just I think the main draw of PAX is kind of being there because the the slogan for all PAXs is actually like it's welcome home and not actually being able to go there like just kind of really ruins that slogan because you know you're not at PAX you're just around kind of thing yeah I mean did you I'm curious because I did not engage with PAX online at all whatsoever did you at all not at all Uh, I I don't think I know anyone who did either (laughs) I, I, if I could be wrong, but I think what they did do was pa- online panels, of course, and demo on Steam or something like demos on Steam and stuff like that you can download and play. 
possibly. For I, just I, that period? I think I think it might have been something for Melbourne International Games Week. Maybe. Yeah. Like that's the, that's probably more likely. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, like it, it was back in full swing. Um, what did you think of it? Look, uh, I think it was PAX. I mean, it is. Uh, it felt exactly the same as the PAXs that I'd been to in previous years, and yeah. I've been to every single one except the first one. Um, and yeah, like I, it felt like I was back at PAX. It felt like I was back at a convention. I'm not gonna lie though. The first day, um, I was. <laughs> I was not hoping, but sort of thinking, um, oh gosh, okay, there's a lot of people here. COVID still is kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, I thought there might be some restrictions, but uh, didn't seem like there were, to be perfectly no. honest. I, I, I think with, if, <laughs> I think if they impose the mask rule, like, they're, they're going to they're gonna have a tough time. Yeah. I do know that they sort of tweeted out, like, as part of their guidelines, you should wear a mask, but I think maybe 1% of people who uh, were at PAX wore masks. I started out wearing a mask, but I kind of felt so self-conscious because I felt like I was the only one there wearing one, so eventually I just took mine off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw a few people wear masks and stuff. I. It's it would be a hard thing to enforce. I'd say like if it's not law. I know there were a few booths given away free masks. Yeah. Yeah. Like branded masks. I I got myself a Redfall mask. Oh, that would be a cool one. Yeah. Um, from the World Bethesda oh, thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, it was just like part of the like, goodie bag that they give you. Yeah. Kind of regretting not going to that one. To be perfectly honest. Oh man, I wish you were there because. I got, I got, I won double passes, as you know, but I went and yeah, it was just, it was, it wasn't really much. It was just like free booze and food oh, okay. and, um, a couple of, a couple of statues and a couple of decor things, but not much else. So it's, it was very much just a social event. Like, Hey, have some beers, have some drinks, um, have some food. That's about it. I didn't know anyone there. I, I thought it was going to be like an actual interactivity thing with free food and drinks but it's just like a big party basically yeah. well knowing that i probably would have gone because i was uh, thinking like uh i'm too tired to do anything too interactive but just you know i can sit sit around and eat food that's yeah. not that tiring <laughs> it was just kind of awkward i was like i was just kind of waiting around for something to happen i was like i walked in like got myself a drink i'm like okay oh there's a uh uh Starfield robot statue there. Cool. There's a, a wall full of donuts um, in the shape of um, Fallout. Fault Boy from oh, Fallout? Fallout. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it took me a second. I'm the biggest Fallout nerd ever. A couple of decor things, some posters from Deathloop, um, some TV screens playing some, like, like, just playing videos of upcoming games like Redfall and stuff and some Elder Scrolls, some Elder, an Elder Scroll bitters. It was just Lemon Lime bitters, but with a, oh. lemon, a Elder Scrolls online label on it. Oh. <laughs> I took one home. Uh, other than that, that was about it. And UFC fighter Rob Whitaker was there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I know the name. I'm not into UFC personally. Not, not me neither. I know he does a lot of work with Bethesda. Uh, okay. 
anyway, I was kind of looking around and there was a, a room. There was just like a little room of stuff. And I, I'm, I walk in and Rob Whitaker's there with his mate. And I'm just like, just nod to him like, how you doing? And I, cause I'm not even a fan of him. He's like, he just nods back and he walks on out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like who the hell is this weirdo? I'm like, I, I don't, I don't even like you. See, I just, I didn't even know you in here. It just made, it, my anxiety just went through the roof. Like, geez, this guy think I'm like some UFC freak. Oh, look, I've, I've done that before. And like with, uh, <laughs> not going to lie, the hosts of good game. Oh, like Hex just, and Bajo. Yeah, Hex yeah. and Bajo. I've just sort of like said, you're Hex, aren't you? And said, yeah, I am. Cool. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Was that? Was was that? Um, no, that wasn't at this pack. So okay, no. no, no look, like the thing I've learned is that ninety nine percent of the time they will forget you within oh, like yeah. a day. Especially, they probably get much much weirder things. That, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I remember. I did remember seeing hex around the floor here and there. Um, didn't see Bajo. Was he there? I don't know if he was. No, no, he wasn't there. Okay. Um, uh, but also there was uh, Nick Richardson as well, and I saw him wandering around, and uh, and Howard Yo, like all of those those uh, well, the people you would expect to be there were there. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember seeing seeing them around. But going back to the Bethesda uh, thing, uh, okay. the gods of Bethesda. Well, just to talk about like the whole thing of all of the big names just not being there but and that's actually been an a trend for a while that they host their own things rather than go to their own uh, rather than have their own expos do you think that we'll see that like keep on going i mean like it's kind of like it's happened at e3 yeah um the the big publishers and the big develop uh, developers pulling out and just doing their own thing and i think it's just easier for them to just do their own thing like Nintendo have been doing the Nintendo Directs for years, and that's much more easy, and I'm sure it's much more cheaper. Yeah, much lucr- much more lucrative as well. Yeah, exactly. Because to just say, hey, we've got our thing. Here's like 20 minutes of ad- of uh, announcements and stuff like that. Uh, Sony and Microsoft, yeah, I imagine they're just doing their own thing. They they do their own sort of big announcements and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Because the same company that owns um, PAX also now owns E3 now. Like, really? Yeah, Readpop. Um, that's who's putting up. They haven't put on E3 yet, but the first E3 that they put on next year will be, yeah, uh, like will be their first one. Yeah. Well, okay. I had no idea. I don't know what the future holds. I mean, if, if, if this continues to happen, I think PAX will be wildly different in the next few years. It could just be like, because of COVID, we just, they didn't know, you know, organization and stuff like that. You know, I'm not one to speculate, but. Oh, like, I would love it if all of PAX was just PAX Rising, to be perfectly honest. Uh, isn't there actually a, a, a PAX, a specifically PAX Indie Devs uh, convention? Sorry. It's PAX Unplugged? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. But I don't think that one's open to the general public. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up, but. Uh, but that's uh, over in America. We've only got what we have here, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it, it, we'll just kind of wait and see what the next year's PAX will look like. I think it was definitely, like me personally, I definitely thought PAX was a bit more subdued because of those 
big publishers not being there. Like I remember, I'm used to seeing like a whole bunch of oh yeah demos and stuff like that from big publishers like Ubisoft and EA and um, you know Microsoft, Nintendo, the big three. Yeah, yeah, but the biggest game they had there was Sonic Frontiers. Frontiers, yeah. yeah. I know that they were also showing Final Fantasy 15 or 14. No, it would have been 14, yeah. Yeah, the, the MMO. Yeah. Yeah, that was really popular. Yeah. Well, when it's that or Sonic Frontiers, I think <laughs> you've only got one choice. Uh, how, do you, how do you demo showcase an MMO? <laughs> I, was I like, don't know. I mean, yeah. yeah, just I think they have their own private server or something like that, just four packs. Or- yeah, uh, another thing, you went to, so I mainly focus on the floor for the weekend, um, but you went to a lot of, Panels. I went to. I focused quite a bit on the careers expo. So um, yeah, yeah. The uh, well, well, it did have a fairly big focus on career-wise panels. Oh yeah, that was. In fact, they had an entire separate expo, literally just called the PAX Care- Games Careers Expo, or I think it was called something like that. But yeah, all um in the uh, NBN theater. So. Uh, the when you walk right in, it's up those stairs, and um, and yeah. So I went to I think about four or five of those panels. Yeah. Um, so that was from I went to the the first panel I went to was the resume writing one. Uh, there was also the pen is mightier than the joystick. Uh, yep. Writing for and about games. Uh, there was the uh, how to pe- get. How to pitch for paid work in games journalism, uh, and oh, I went to the story time as well. I mean, shoot Yoshida. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was probably like the biggest one they had. Yeah, I only popped in for about five ten minutes, but how was it? That was interesting. Yeah, I mean, it is exactly what I would expect a story time from Shuya Yoshida to be to be like. Um, spent a lot of time on talking about all of the indies he was excited for and all of the games that. Um, uh, he helped uh, create, like, uh, you know, the he he was basically, I think, the one who personally recommended Naughty Dog to Sony. So, um, uh, so like, that's why we have games like Crash Bandicoot and uh, Jack and Daxter and all that. Um, but then uh, there was a big... F- yeah, he Because he's the host of... Uh, sorry, the president of PlayStation Indies, um, he really talked about uh, how he got that off the ground and um, uh, why he was so excited for in like indie games and the fo- he spoke also about how PlayStation was viewed as you know not being indie friendly like uh, both Xbox. Well, I don't think you, anyone would call Nintendo indie friendly, but um, he wanted to change that mindset. Uh, so that's why PlayStation Indies is now a much bigger thing and why he stepped down as the president of Sony Interactive Entertainment. So, yeah, that, that was an interesting story. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, it is interesting. I, I, I personally never saw Sony hating on indie. I guess it, there's indie games on the PlayStation Store. It's just <laughs> not as big. I guess it's because Game Pass has yeah. kind of really show, showcased the indie games. Like there are so many really good indie games on Game Pass that otherwise may have gone under the radar. Um, I mean, for example, I Coffee Talk. Mm. The developers of that game um, 
I met him over the weekend. Um, and yeah, they told me, and this will be discussed further in the, uh, the, the video interview I did with them, but yeah, they said like having Game Pass was so great because it showcased their little game on to a much larger larger audience who wanted to give it a crack. Yeah, I mean, I downloaded it, I uh, played a little a bit of it, um, I really liked it. Um, yeah, and they were like so excited to you know because they had so many more fans because their little game is now people take a chance on it because it's part of the service. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of. Uh leads into how just uh, Sony doesn't really have anything comparable, to be perfectly honest. And it's basically... Sony wasn't really hostile to indie devs. They were just not seen. Like, um, any... um, Like, any indie developer who uh, published uh, on the PlayStation, um, unless they got that Sony marketing, uh, then they just... Floundered. They never got a chance to get off the ground. So uh, uh, you hear of success stories like Rocket League, but that was because it was on PS Plus. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it it really depended on whether or not uh, Sony was up, uh, able to promote them. Uh, and that's what uh, PlayStation Indies is trying to do. Yeah. Uh, it's good that they, they are. And no, it is great that we can actually see these indie games more and more and in person. Apparently Shu Yoshida was actually just wandering the expo hall, taking photos yeah, of the games yeah. that he really liked, posting them on Twitter. Yeah. And, well, that's, yeah. that's some great marketing right exactly. there. Exactly, yeah, just uh, being... And uh, he, he, I think he said that um, Cult of the Lamb was his favourite game of this year. Um, oh, no, yeah, okay. no, sorry, that was Inscription. Inscription? Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, but he said that he, like, that's the game, like, Cold of the Lamb was the game that he was currently playing and he was absolutely loving. But, yeah, his apparent game of the year was Inscription, so. Okay. And his favourite game of all time is Journey. So all of these really yeah, small Journey. games, yeah, um, yeah just uh, he he loved the innovation that he saw in them and just wanted to give them a bigger chance uh, on the PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's great to hear indie games uh, can be some of the best out there. Yeah. And it's glad that Sony is giving them the recognition they deserve. Yeah. Um, did you have any last thoughts about um, PAX at all before we head off? Um, I did see uh, a lot of focus on... Um, so this... Uh, I, th- I can't remember what it's actually called. Well, it's called Code. Um, and it's basically yep. New Zealand's equivalent of, I guess, Screen Australia, um, yeah. basically to help uh, promote um, all of these games that are being developed in New Zealand. I heard a really amazing story about how about this game Blackheart and how the guy created it. Um, it's actually a series of novels, and he just decided um, that it would work better as a game rather than as a novel. Um, I think that's... And, yeah, he... Uh, apparently just went through the entire process and it just worked and it's a good good looking game yeah no definitely and it, I, I I went by the code booth as well um, I think what I loved most about PAX was learning about these sort of oh absolutely new things like I had no idea that um, I had no idea that there was a New Zealand based like dev scene in Dunedin and they had like government funding and were making these games as well as Tasmania has a indie scene. I'm not sure if you 
saw that or I, not, but I yeah. I did not, no. Like, yeah. I did go to, um, it, it was in the PAX Together area. Um, it was called Indigitech, which is an indigenous-based um, uh, studio that um, helps to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I swung yeah. I swung by there. It was it was amazing to see so i i do love the uh the focuses that like the focus on um getting uh diverse voices this yeah max, uh, just all of the different uh, uh ideas that can come out of that because yeah um and then there was um uh wayward strand as well which also is um uh like that was nominated for um uh, australian game of the year oh wow yeah I think it lost out to Cold of the Lamb, but, you know, that yeah. one's Cold of the Lamb. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, like, the best part about PAX is going in with an open mind and, like, f- learning about new things and new scenes. Like, like I didn't know much about tabletop games. I went in. Like, it's huge. Um, learning about Tasmanian game developers oh, and New Zealand game developers, indigenous yeah. game developers and and stem programs and stuff like that yeah it's it's amazing it's 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 a learning event yeah. learning a learning experience of like of all these different fandoms and love for pop culture and video games and and everything all meld into one yeah which is why i'm personally of the the opinion that the loss of like the big publishers no longer going there isn't that great a loss because we have all these amazing indie developers. We have an, an extremely great uh, indie scene here in Melbourne. Um, and just so that we can even experience games that we'd never heard of because previous PAXs, I always went to the booths that I, I barely paid any attention to PAX Rising, to be perfectly honest. But yeah. now this year, being able to focus on PAX Rising because they're not going to lie there being nothing else kind of made me gravitate towards that. And I got to play some games that I am super excited for now. I, I kind of agree with you there, honestly. Like at the end of the day, like, like if it's your first packs, like it was mine, you, there would there'd be lines for those demos for games. Like, but when you think about it, like why wait in line for like two hours to play a game that's going to come out in three months? Just just enjoy packs and try to immerse yourself and learn new things and experience new things and play some great indie games. Yeah. And I'm going to give a shout out to Schrodinger's Cat Burglar as being my favorite packs <laughs> this year. For me, uh, the final worst of packs is that obviously my very first packs was the second packs. And every year I was like, oh, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. But after two years of, of, of missing out i come back and i think you know what it's it's probably someone's favorite packs there but i I had an amazing time with like wanting to experience and go out and you know it's great to have that massive event for such a melting pot of pop culture fandoms and um (laughs) nerd stuff (laughs) yeah um i had a great time at packs um Got, got a lot of footage and interviews done and yeah um, look forward to seeing those on the standards website and potentially my own stuff let's see how we go and um, also Theo um, what have you got coming up for for your PAX coverage uh, so I am going to be writing on the careers expo side of things um, so uh, just a sort of rundown of all the panels that I went to on that side of things and also 
uh, interviews with some of the panelists. Uh, and then uh, I'm thinking about writing something on the PAX Together Lounge, but we'll have to see how that one goes. Awesome. I look forward to seeing it. Uh, thanks for coming on, Theo. All right. Uh, thank you, Jack. And hope you had a good PAX. I uh, hope you had a good PAX too. Thanks. I definitely did. Thanks again to Theo for coming on to this week's episode of Switched On. Be sure to keep a look out for Theo's interviews and articles that he'll be writing about PAX Australia 2022. This week's episode of Switched On was hosted, produced and edited by myself, Jack Andre Hamill. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and TikTok at Swin Journalism, Instagram at Swinburne Journalism or check out our website at theswinstandard.net. And as always, thanks for listening. 